Welcome back to the McCann Dogs podcast, episode 17. And I would say I've never seen you more excited <laughs> about a topic, Shannon. Uh, and what are we going to be talking about today? We are going to talk about the big picture and getting success with the big picture and what's realistic for that big picture as yeah. well. I think this is really important advice for any dog owner, anyone with a dog in training uh, is sort of giving them, we, we often do these acronyms and I think there's, I really like acronyms, you know, I uh, <laughs> worked for a lot of years as a paramedic and acronyms were very helpful when it came to lots of things, quick reminders uh, uh, as I worked with a patient um, and acronyms in dog training, because you want access to that information fast. Mm -hmm. You know, you need that information quickly and it needs to be easy to remember. So the care that you've chosen, the, the acronym that you've chosen today is CARE, C-A-R-E. And the title of your blog post is a, is a measure of success in dog training. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for you? What's a measure of success? I think that um, one of the challenges that we have as dog trainers is trying to transfer the information about how long the expectation should be before you consider a skill finalized. And I think that as humans, we grossly underestimate the amount of repetitions that we need to get in with our dogs. And I do this myself even. Like there will be skills that I go back to clean up with my own dogs and I think, you know what? I did not put in enough repetition in the foundation work for this. And then I recognize that I need to take a step back and I need to build that foundation solidly because anything I put on top of a shaky foundation is likely to fall apart. So I always try to find ways that I can I can simplify the the whole the big overwhelming situation, right? Like here's this monumental task of taking a creature and molding it to be this wonderful being that you enjoy spending time with and that is a joy to to share your life and your home with. So how do we get from that eight-week-old puppy that knows nothing to that end goal without losing our motivation in the interim? Yeah. Yeah, and it can be challenging. Oh, so challenging because it's a lot of work in. For sure. We talked in our last uh, podcast, if you haven't listened to it, make sure you check it out. It was a bit of a different take, different different pace, um, but we did talk a little bit about our own experiences with dogs and, and how, you know, every single dog's a little bit different. Some dogs do some skills, learn some skills quickly. Other mm -hmm. dogs really struggle with those same skills and, um, you know... Being consistent is so critically important. This is often where people start their their elements of their training fall apart, and it's not you know they're, they're thinking about being consistent when they start training, whether it's they're training walking or they're training this thing. But um, consistency goes for basically every time you use your voice with your dog, every single time you say something, you need to mean it. So the C in your acronym is for care is consistent. Let's talk a little bit about what being consistent means. Yeah. If you've been in the dog training world for longer than two seconds, you've heard this word come up. Uh, consistency is what is so, so important with every single dog all the time. You have to remember that what we're doing is teaching them how to survive and live in our world in, an, in a nice way. We want them to learn the rules of the house. We want them to learn to follow those rules. And we want to make sure that we give them a fair shake at learning this. You know, they're, they're, wonderful creatures to live with and we want to enjoy our time with them so we want to develop communication skills so that we can easily identify areas that are problems for the dog and we can redirect from there and we can identify areas as areas of success for the dog as well and we can identify those and over time the more you identify success and push for success and the more you minimize the errors eventually everything comes together into this really wonderful culmination of all of these ideas but it does take a 
long time. And consistency, there's a quote here that I used actually that I absolutely love. Success is never owned. It is rented and the rent is due every day. And this is so applicable to dog training it's because really good. yeah, their brains and that I, that's not my quote, it's Roy Vaden. Um, their brains are developed at seven weeks of age. They are learning constantly. And whether they're learning things you want them to learn or learning things you don't want them to learn, that is the yeah. big question, yeah. you know, and you can set your situation up to manage your puppies so that you can give them clear and consistent information and you can help to set that path to success through consistency. Yeah. You talked a little bit about, you know, reinforcing some of the things that you like. Dogs don't naturally want to walk at our side. Dogs are constantly seeking gratification, you know, trying to figure out what makes them feel good. So if uh, digging through the garbage or chewing on your shoe feels good, they're going to think that's right and they're going to do it again. So you need to be consistent about uh, one of the most common... um, things I, I would say that I hear from people who are struggling with something like a response to name is they say, we work great in the house. We work great when we go to the park, when we're at the training school, when we're at, you know, if it's our online training student, wherever I'm training works great. But then I let him out into the yard to go have a pee uh, and then dinner's ready. So I call him and he doesn't come right away. Mm-hmm. Well, this is when you need to be consistent that that teaching your dog that that word means the same thing every single time you use it is going to be really important so that yeah. the dog learns it more quickly and understands what you're asking of them. Definitely. And Where we need to be most consistent is keeping our expectations at the same place. I don't want to lower my expectations because now there's distractions that have my dog's attention. What I need to do is I need to set the situation up so that those distractions are there, but they're not so much of a challenge that my dog is completely overwhelmed by them. And what I need to do is I need to give him a fair chance to ignore that distraction, pay attention to what it is that I'm doing. And that is done through, we've talked about the distraction ladder. Uh, A few episodes ago, we did um, the road to Disney. My dog is distracted by everything with the distraction ladder and that systematic way of building up distractions, adding in little bits in the environment that challenge the dog is really what trains the dog. We don't train them by putting them in a situation where they're overfaced and hoping they do the right thing. And we don't get them trained by doing the same thing in a quiet room over and over and over again, but we have to start there. Then we build in little bits as we consistently give them information about what the expectation is. People might be thinking, you know, sometimes I just don't have time to work on this skill. You know, I can't, I can't be training the response to name every time I let my dog go. What are some alternatives? You know, what are some alternative choices that people can make so that they're not ruining these skills so Mm -hmm. that they can be consistent with their dog? Yeah, you bet. Using management will help you ensure that your dog is not rehearsing the things that you don't want. And we, we talk about this quite a bit in terms of, dogs learning to do what they practice. So we need to make sure that if you're not, you don't have the time right now to train response to name out in the yard, that's not where you're going to call your dog's name. Then you're going to open the door, walk out to your dog, pick up the leash or the long line and bring them in the house. Or you might, you know, you might work your response to name from there as a better training tactic, but do not call their name if you know that they're not going to turn to you because that is basically making your job more difficult in the long run. You know, this is a situation where we might get their attention with that response to name in there. But if you know, there's a chance that you won't, you are potentially making your job harder. Um, this is going to sort of bridge into the next thing, I think, a little bit, the next uh, point in your uh, acronym. But uh, the 
if your dog is making some bad choices, if you've got some nuisance behaviors, you need to be just as consistent about how you deal with those. People will sometimes say, well, this is great that I have a way to teach my dog to not jump on the counter, but what if I'm not there? Mm-hmm. You know, this is where management comes in. Let's talk about like nuisance behaviors and what being consistent in that case means. Yeah, you bet. And again, this sort of speaks to how much we underestimate the amount of repetition and information that our dogs need. If we create two sets of rules for them where when you're there, there's a certain expectation and when you're gone, that expectation is out the window and it's a free-for-all and, uh, you know, opportunities to counter surf are there for the dog. Opportunities to get into the garbage and get into mischief are there for the dog. They end up learning that when you're not around, there's different rules. And that's exactly what we don't want to do. We want to work consistently and be attentive to our dogs to make sure that they learn the right rules and they take the right path. And when we can't do that, we need to manage them. So that's where crates come in handy. That's where making sure that they are not in a situation where unattended, they're going to go through the garbage. You know, as humans, we think, oh, that's just horrible. Why on earth would you ever want to go through the garbage? But they're not humans. They're dogs. And they're opportunistic scavengers. And they love to forage in the garbage. And they love to explore their environments. So what we need to do is make sure that they understand the garbage is off limits, It's not an option for them, and they need to understand that clearly before we give them the opportunity to explore it in our absence. Um, I'm taking a step ahead, talked a little bit about attentive, and attentive is the A in your CARE acronym. Now, if you're a puppy owner at home, if you're working with a dog in training, attentive is what you need to be every time your puppy's out of their crate. And and that doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, we're not talking about staring at the dog, but you absolutely want to be sure of what the dog is doing, what choices the dog could make, what they have access to, whether you've asked them to do a job. Um, I saw a comment, this is a while ago, talking about how someone ties their leash to their belt while they're doing something in the kitchen. And I don't like that idea. I, you know, if I'm, if my dog's out of their crate, I'm going to be either paying attention to them or I'll have given them a job and, you know, they'll have, they'll have some foundation of understanding to lie, lie in their bed or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, attentive means paying attention. And let's talk about why that's impactful or important with our young yeah, dogs. It's huge. It's paying attention so that you can adjust that situation. You know, if your dog is getting in the garbage and you're busy napping on the couch, <laughs> you're essentially absent. If you're so engrossed in a movie that you're watching on TV that you don't notice it for five seconds, yeah. I mean, you may scold the dog and they may immediately stop in the garbage and run away from it. But that five seconds was really valuable. And that dog is probably going to try again and again, because the cue to get out of the garbage is not them understanding the garbage is off limits. It's you telling them to get out of the garbage. So again, there's a situation where you might create two sets of rules. It's so much better if you can focus on your pup 100%. And using management tools like tying the puppy to you, it allows you to sort of zone out and not necessarily pay attention to what the puppy is doing. Well, what's if, the value? Like, that's my question. Why yeah. Why have the puppy out? You know, are they just sort of meandering around, finding something to do? Yeah. That's not great well, for them or you. That's a really excellent thing to, to, to hit on because a lot of people think in terms of guilt, right? In terms of the crate, making them feel guilty because, of course, the puppy doesn't want to be in the crate. But 
crate is a great place for the puppy to be. And the more time they do spend in the crate, the more they learn to adjust to loving the crate. And they learn to go in there and relax and be a little independent and be calm and be quiet. Now, when we have dogs that are really baby puppies, we use the crate a lot more. As they grow, of course, the balance shifts, right? As they learn the rules of the house and they understand what the expectation is, we can offer them more time out of the crate because we don't need to be as specifically attentive to them because they can start to take some of the responsibility themselves. But the big problem is that we we underestimate when we can do that. And yeah. a lot of the times we offer that freedom far too early or unknowingly we offer that freedom because our dogs have been stellar and they've been just the best puppies. They've been so good. And now they hit seven or eight months and all of a sudden overnight, their behavior just changes. And that's a normal thing to happen in dogdom. They go through development periods where things change from one day to the next. There's several development periods in their lives, and you are going to notice this. And we we have to commiserate with our students a lot on the adolescent one, sometimes on the ones surrounding teething. We have to really commiserate with our students because all of a sudden, it seems like the success that they had overnight has disappeared. And trust me when I say it comes back just as quickly as long as you acknowledge it. So as long as you don't say, oh, you know what? I'm going to chalk it up to an accident. He's usually really good. I'm going to pretend that he's not being adolescent, getting into mischief, testing the waters, challenging my rules. I'm going to pretend that that's just a figment of my imagination. And then it gets worse. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is take that moment where we see, okay, the development period has just kicked in. And now my dog is an eight month old adolescent who adolescent who is starting to develop all sorts of different feelings and emotions about the world. And I need to make sure I challenge my training in that respect. So any freedoms that my dog has had, I'm going to remove them because I need to reassess and I need to be attentive to my dog again. I need to make sure that through this development period, he doesn't now suddenly go, oh, I'm going to explore the world again. And I never even noticed, you know, three months ago when I was shorter, I didn't even notice there was a counter up there. Now, wow, there's there's all sorts of stuff up up there on the counter. So put in the time, um, those development periods can be sneaky and they can be sudden and they can really set you back. If you're thinking that at eight or nine months, your dog is perfect and they're ready for lots of freedom, be aware that that might uh, bite you in the butt. <laughs> and if you are being attentive to your dog genuinely, then uh, you won't feel guilty about the crate because your puppies or your young dog's ready to go in the crate because you've been engaging with them. Yeah. One of the things that I learned very quickly, even with my two-year-old dog when I first brought her to training and, and really started to understand why management was impactful, was that every time I let her out of the crate, all of a sudden she was doing something with me. Mm-hmm. I was working with her doing, whether it's, I mean, it, it can be as simple as a snuff on the floor, you know, whatever that thing might be. It doesn't have to be, you know, training time where you're working on your sit stays, but you are doing something to engage that dog, to burn off some of that energy, to teach them work on some skill, and they will find inherent value in you. So they're either, it's going to be easier for you to fix some of these problems if you run into them through their teenage phase or, you know, some of those developmental stages, because you've learned a little bit about your dog, what motivates them, but they also do know or have a more solid understanding that you are of value. You Mm -hmm. are worth listening to because you've spent so much time being attentive up front. Um, That was, that was, that changed things for me, understanding that um, simple management could really have this global impact on all of our skills and, and all of our training. Yeah, such a massively important thing. The R in your care acronym is realistic. And, um, you know, we talk about having high expectations of our dogs because we know we've seen 
tens, uh, more than 100,000 dogs over the course of McCann Dogs, but we've seen people uh, achieve whatever their goals are with their dog, but they do need to be realistic yeah. about those progressions, about those benchmarks. That's really important when it comes to not going crazy that your dog is not as, not successful as quickly as you want them to be. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about being realistic as it applies to your care acronym. Absolutely. Keep in mind that every dog is different. And if you measure your success by comparing it to other dogs, you, whether you're, they're your past dogs, your neighbor's dogs, your friend's dogs, whatever the case may be, that sets you up for an unrealistic expectation because the individual that you're working with in front of you is going to be different from those other dogs. You are also going to be different from other trainers. I mean, there's a lot to be said for experience. I, I, I mean, if I go back and look at the training I did with my earlier dogs versus the training that I do now, and, you know, I go back and watch old videos of me training and I think, oh my gosh, right. I didn't know anything. But at that time, I knew what I knew and that was fair assessment in my life and my situation and you can only know what you can know. Yeah. But it's important because of those reasons that you not compare yourself to other people because that will set you back into that spiral where you're thinking, oh, my dog's just not as good or my dog just doesn't like to listen or, or, or and there's all these reasons that you get down on yourself. Just train the dog. Keep working. Eventually, everything will fall into place as long as you don't give up. And that's really, that was my point with this article. I wanted to keep people training because there are days, I mean, we know this as professional dog trainers. We know this because we've trained our dogs and we've had the highs and lows. There are days where you just want to sell them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you sure. just, You're Kijiji. Like, what did I get into yeah, here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what we know as dog trainers is if you persevere, those days become less and less yeah. and the wonderful days where, you know, you get emotional thinking about the dogs that you miss because they were so wonderful. There wasn't any, there weren't any less of those frustrating days with those dogs. Yeah. We just persevered. Yeah. We got through it. We got them on the straight and narrow. We got through all the species frustrations that don't gel in our world. And we got to a point where the magic started to happen. You know, be realistic about those expectations because then you will keep training. Um, we talked a little bit about this specific topic in our last uh, episode. And again, you know, I encourage you guys to check out uh, the one. I'm not sure what, uh, I'm not sure what the title is going to be, but we did talk <laughs> about how it is m more rewarding when your dog, when there is that challenge, you know, when you, when you get through that. Um, we, we talk, or I think about um, people who will say something like, oh, you know, uh, we're in a, we're in a group or an email string with uh, some of the other owners from this litter and uh you know she's there's a lot of smart dogs in there or she's a she's a super he or she is a superstar shining star of it and um I, sometimes i wonder about being realistic if that extra motivation is good you know uh, for me it would be because yeah. i'm high, terribly competitive and you know if that um touching base with some of those other owners would be advantageous maybe more so because you want to be you want to be that shining star you know, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I'm, I haven't decided. I was just sort of something that I thought of as we were having this conversation. I think it depends on how quickly you get success in there too. And that's another, I would say, component of being realistic because sometimes you can watch someone perform a trick with their dog 
go to the drawing board, take out your training treats and have that trick trained really, really quickly with your dogs. And then other times it's going to be many, many sessions of training before you get to the point where your dog can perform that trick reliably. So I think a lot of the times if we get a quick win from something that really boosts our competitive nature and gets us out there and doing more and more and more, but I think it can work the other way as well. And especially if you're sort of in that gray area where you're just not sure where you're headed or what you're supposed to be doing with the dog, that's a good opportunity to reach out and get into a training program so that you've got structure and guidance and you know you'll stick to the program. Yeah, we have lots of uh, students from all over the world in our online training programs and we have two programs. One is Life Skills for Dogs Over Five Months and then there's our Puppy Essentials program for people who are about to become puppy owners and puppies all the way up to five months. So if uh, you are interested in getting specific information for you and your dog, and sometimes that makes a world of difference. You know, when you have the information that's specific to your training environment specific Mm -hmm. to your training style when you have a professional dog trainer that can watch what you're working on and say like oh you know what turn your turn your shoulders you know move away those these little subtle changes uh make a huge difference so uh mccann dogs we do have online training programs that are supported by our professional dog trainers so check that out in in the uh, description below or in the show notes below if you're listening on to uh, on the podcast now um another element of the care acronym is effective. Mm -hmm. And this makes me think about a lot of different students who just don't really understand the kind of dog that they have. So they are being ineffective with them. Mm -hmm. This is what I did initially with my Black Lab Deegan is, I I mentioned this in another podcast, where, you know, I bought all the things. I bought all the things to try to fix these problems, but none of them were effective because I wasn't giving her good information. And what I learned through training is I need to figure out what it takes for me to be effective in my training. Otherwise, everything that I ask for is making things worse when I'm not successful. Absolutely. And I think to be effective, you have to you have to seek advice and professional information as well. You have to make sure that you have some guidance to go in a specific direction to help. But I think what is next most crucial is knowing your dog. Mm -hmm. And you can do that by observing. So if we are able to recognize what our dog likes for play, what our dog likes for food, what our dog likes for motivation and all sorts of different situations, if we're able to honestly acknowledge what our dogs are like in terms of distraction with other dogs, distraction with people on the street. You know, this goes back to embracing solutions rather than using excuses. We can take that information that we've learned from a professional program and from observing our dogs, and we can mold a program to help our dog be the best dog they can be. We can mold them by using the play style that they like. You know, if you have um, if you have a lab that tends to be a really wrestly type of dog, that gives you good information on how they might like to play. And that dog's probably going to be fun to, you know, push away and then run and let them chase you. And if, if you like them jumping on you, you can give them permission at that point to jump yeah, on you and yeah. you can have a really great time. And that play reinforcement becomes part of your training ritual and it becomes part of your reward system. So not only do you have food to pinpoint things that you really like with your dogs, whether they're natural training opportunities that come up or whether they're guided that you're actually training some skills, you have food that you can reward, but you can also reward with play. You can reward with interaction with your dogs. You know, I've, I've said many times, I know about Ned He doesn't like his head touched. He loves butt scratches, though. So if I pet his head, that's not a reward for him. There's absolutely nothing to be gained by that 
on my end, of course, I like petting his right. head because he's cute, but I also have to recognize that he doesn't like that. So that's aversive to him, essentially. It's mm. not something I can use as a reward, but I can use bot scratches, yeah. you know? And if I were to be staunch in my, in my belief that this dog, you know what, he should work for pats on the head. That's just all there is to it. He should work because that's the reward I'm going to give him. And, you know, we all have to do our part. That's probably not going to get you very far. I mean, you're probably going to end up frustrated. Your relationship is going to suffer with your dog. You're not being honest with yourself about that dog and their tendencies. Take the information they're giving you and use that to your advantage, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Um, motion, when you're talking about that, a couple of things came to mind as you're um, talking about being effective. One was, uh, you know, we often say like labs, rough and tumble, you mm -hmm. know, I'll push them away. Deegan is definitely like that. But I've also seen labs that are not like yeah. that. And um, would they, they would, with that, you know, pushing away would feel like Ned does when you scratch his head. So you need to really do be able understand that your dog may be different, you bet, you know, and, and you're going to adjust your, um, you're going to adjust your training as required motion, I think is one of the probably the most common things overlooked things in dog training. And I don't know whether it's because people envision, you know, calling their dog and standing absolutely upright and still and that the dog will sit in front, which ultimately will be the case, yep. can be the case. But early on, things like motion, man, can that be a great motivator for a lot of dogs? Chase is huge. Dogs love, they're predatory creatures. Yeah. They love to chase. They love to be chased. These are all behaviors that are going to be innately reinforcing for that dog. So absolutely use that in training. You know, we do a ton of chase games with our recalls because that builds your dog's desire. When they hear the word come, it builds their desire to shoot to you as fast as possible. The more or you can build that drive in your dog that says, this is the best place you can possibly be. I am the funnest person you could possibly ever come into contact right. with. You want to play with me right now. They're not going to argue with you about that. But if you're standing perfectly still and being boring and there's another puppy, you know, even 50 feet away that catches their attention, that's going to be more interesting than you. So uh, on a daily basis, I want you to be, as a dog owner, you guys to be thinking about being consistent, being attentive, being realistic, and be effective. Be, be effective. <laughs> be effective. Keep going. I love it. Uh, absolutely. So, so I, um, you know, because, because these four elements are part of your daily, I don't know, review, uh, maybe you get to the end of the day, you get to the end of your training session. And you're like, okay, well, did I, did I check those four boxes? Because that's going to help you to be better tomorrow. Yeah. It's going to help your dog to be more motivated. And that's what we're doing this for. We're, we're you trying bet. to get your dog to understand that you are worth listening to. And all of this effort you're going through can be fun for them, you know, as they, as you teach them how to live in this human world that, uh, it, you know, Training can be fun. You bet. And it's so important. That's the thing that I discovered. Absolutely. Right? And try to find a win every day. Yeah. This is so important when totally. you have a puppy to keep you motivated, to keep going. Even if it's that you've been working on crate manners and you opened the door and the puppy didn't immediately burst out. Even if they burst out two seconds later, but you had that two second window there that they they understood for a second before they got overwhelmed. Take that as a win. It will help you 
be motivated to keep moving forward. We published a video a, a few weeks ago on our YouTube channel because we saw a lot of these puppy owners who were saying like, every day is a struggle. I don't know. You know, this is so frustrating. It's just not going how I imagined. I thought having a puppy would be different. Um, uh, and we published a video talking about five wins that you can get. You can get one of these wins every single day. We show you exactly it. how to do it. So I'll drop a link to that video in the show notes or in the description of this video if you're watching this on our podcast channel. But um, I hope you guys have uh, learned something. I hope you've uh, you know taken made notes maybe so that you can uh, check the four boxes: the uh, being consistent, being attentive, being realistic, and being effective every single day with your dog. Uh, and uh, if this is your first time here, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button. On that note, I'm Ken. I'm Shannon. Happy training, guys. Bye for now. Bye, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast. And if you'd like some more training resources, be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at McCann Dogs. And if you'd like to train with us online, be sure to check out the show notes below for our My Dog Can online training program, where we know in just a few weeks, your dog will become a well-behaved family member. Until then, happy training.